Hi, this is Bill, and this is a special mini-podcast or bulletin of OpenOut. We are currently experiencing the beginning stages of the COVID-19 pandemic. During this time when, in fact, so many faith communities are closed, not a lot of folk are going to be thinking a great deal about how to open their faith communities to a more diverse population. They're probably not even yet thinking about how to open them to the same old people who were there before. Most folk are just trying to get by and trying to make the wisest, most considerate and compassionate decisions they can. I am going to try to continue to publish these podcasts weekly, though I confess it feels a bit like fiddling while Rome burns. Perhaps it grows out of a feeling of just wanting to do something productive. But I think more deeply, it's a belief in the future that there will come a day, sometime, I hope, in the not-too-distant future, when all of this crisis will be behind us, a time when things will have settled into a new normal. It will be, I suspect, a different normal than before, much like the normal that came after 9-11. And in that new normal, many of us will be reconnecting with the faith communities that right now are probably more likely to be virtual than anything else. And so in that day, in a different way perhaps, we'll ask, what kind of faith communities do we want to recreate? How open do we want it to be? Who do we want to include in that marvelous beggar's banquet, that always clumsy but usually loving community that is a church or a synagogue or a mosque, a temple? So many of those sacred spaces themselves will be lonely right now, buildings and land longing to become sacred once again when humans walk and kneel, pray, sing, love, all the things that make a community be a community. Perhaps it will be a moment when we will deeply long to include all those God wants to welcome, all those God wants to invite. And maybe these podcasts might again have a helpful role. Because I don't have access to studio space now, most everything is closed up. I'm sure it is in your communities as well. I'll be recording them from home. This is one of them. And so that will likely affect the sound quality a bit. My family and I are particularly careful as we have a family member who is immunosuppressed. Wherever you may be at this time, I hope you hold those most vulnerable close in your mind and in your heart, in your prayers. It's scary for all of us, but all the more so for those who have underlying health conditions. It is scary, this stuff. And one of the areas that this podcast series has been exploring and will continue to explore is the role of fear, fear of the unknown. When that fear mechanism is triggered, it's then that our fight, flight, or freeze instinct is activated. And so we can all act in those times in ways we would not act otherwise. Perhaps this explains a bit of our toilet paper obsession. Surely that need to hoard toilet paper isn't coming out of our thinking minds, our prefrontal cortex, but out of the back areas, some back area of the brain, our amygdala or hippocampus or something. Some thing in the back of our mind fears not being able to tend to the most basic of body functions. It craves predictability and comfort. And so it signals the frontal sections of the brain, get out there, get 14 cases of toilet paper, just in case we might need it. It's odd, but it is in fact similar to the fear responses we've been looking at in this series. If you're able to stay at home during these days, and if you were looking for ways to engage your mind and heart in some kind of a reflective process, 
And perhaps for many of us, that might be a deeper need, given the lack of opportunities to gather for worship in personal communities. This could be a good time to look at the impact of fear in how people are responding to the current crisis, how people are responding to the fear that is generated in a challenging situation like the one we are in. Perhaps like me, you are often moved at how fear so often brings out the best and then also sometimes brings out the worst in people. As I've been sitting here and trying to reflect on that, I wonder what makes that difference. It's very, very tempting to attribute moral value to this. It might be a factor, but I think there must be an underlying mechanism that allows some, perhaps even most people, to interrupt that fear response progression, that immediate action that can cause us to be so selfish and self-centered in how we respond when we're operating out of that self-protective place. What is it that can interrupt that progression so that people can engage even with self-sacrificial levels of love in these circumstances? I suspect that same mechanism then can help us in non-crisis, non-emergency situations, such as interrupting our fear of change, our fear of difference in our faith communities and, and in our personal lives. You know, the interplay between fear and religion is as old as human history. Over the last number of years, it really seems that fear has gripped and tainted much of American Christianity, much of American evangelical Christianity, which can help explain how fervent Christians could support somebody like Donald Trump, who is so, so clearly does not embody traditional Christian values. It's interesting that across different faiths, interrupting that fear response, that fear progression, is such an important part of spiritual practice. I suspect, perhaps, though I have no way of really knowing for sure, I suspect this might be a part of every religion. And so, for you, how do you interrupt fear? What helps you move forward when fear grabs your attention, disturbs your intention? And as you try to get a handle on that, as you start to focus on what helps you to move forward at those times and to interrupt that process, how might that help our faith communities who are so often resistant to change and fearful of patterns that they do not recognize, that have not been a part of their history, fearful of something that is new and something that is different, someone who is new, someone who is different. There might be learnings that you and I can have in this special circumstance that we're in right now, this difficult circumstance, that can help us when all of this is behind us. If you have neighbors or, or friends, people in your community, uh, folk whose lives intersect with yours who are refugees or have trauma history or, or limited English, try to find ways to connect with them, if you can, safely. They may be having trouble understanding what is happening, and it may also trigger some strong feelings that they thought were perhaps behind them. Wherever you are, if you are listening to this and the virus is still raging, I hope you find new compassion for yourself and those who surround you. It can be tough to be in close quarters. May grace erupt in the most unexpected of places. And may all those you love be kept safe. We'll talk some more.